When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome into the CHGO Sky Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Aside from that opening round mishap, I'm Chris Pennant, and I'll be your tour guide this year on the CHGO Sky Show here at CHGO Sports, along with a cast of very familiar faces and my first co-pilot of the season, he is the leading Chicago Sky voice at Nuts and Bolts Sports, the best X's and O's man I have ever met in the city. That is that is a true statement, hands down. And he is the best damn point guard to come out of Maywood, Illinois, since D. Brown. Steven Garner. Steven, glad to have you on the show, man. Glad to be back with you, man. Let's work. I know that's a lot to live up to. D. Brown was my guy at U of I, and you didn't come through with the high socks, but that's because of you. you. Um, honestly, first, first and foremost, I got to say, you came with the Illinois State hoodie on, and um, this is a Bradley University show. There's no red behind us other than the Chicago sign, but <laughs> this is a Bradley show first and foremost. So you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> I could have brought the red one in, man. I kind of spared you on the colors a little bit, left it a little neutral. <laughs> I just, I just need, I need the audience to know. I need you to know that that's that's what it is, but. <laughs> The preseason's been in full swing. Two games down for the Sky, they're one and one. Um, the big preseason game comes Friday night mm-hmm. in Toronto, the first WNBA game north of the border in history. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about that. Quite a few of friends of mine who live in Canada were able to snag tickets for that game, which they weren't thinking that was going to be possible. The prices were sky high, honestly. But a lot of people excited about that. In terms of just the team itself, uh, one and one, they lost in Dallas by five, and then they blew out Indiana in the home matchup. Um, Isabel Harrison talked specifically about needing to get that Dallas game out of their system. Um, aside from the fact that n- neither us nor the fans have been able to watch any games live, uh, what have you kind of gleaned, been able to glean from the box score that has uh, looked promising and, and maybe looked troubling to the sky or for the sky? Uh, the first thing I'm noticing is that there's a lot of defensive activity, and that's obviously right in alignment with any James Wade-led team, regardless of whether it's familiar faces, new faces, or a mixture of both. The fact that this man knows how to reach his team, put players in positions to be as successful as they can possibly be, and have those players buy into the product that he's trying to produce on court in addition to all of that, which is the most important part. Seems like it's going to continue to be a theme, especially in this rendition. So I think that might be the thing that stands out to me most. 
Most definitely. And a lot of that, um, Izzy and, and Adelie Maley post-game talked about that specifically. They were able to get steals and they were able to communicate more defensively, mm-hmm. uh, especially because of the truncated preseason. They haven't had a time to work on specific actions offensively and defensively in training camp. Uh, have you been able to get out to any practices yet out of the sacks? No, nah, I'm not yet trying to toggle between the men's side of basketball and then two jobs is not, <laughs> it's not helping me on that side, but it's coming around though. No, I know, and it's. I think that in itself is is surprising that there haven't been no preseason games televised, and this isn't just for the sky. We're talking about league wide in a season where Candace Parker went to New York, Brianna Stewart, and um, John Quill Jones, or Candace Parker went to Las Vegas. Okay. John Quill Jones, Brianna Stewart went to New York. This is a time of high visibility for the W, and yet. When you can see not only those players, but the prospects who came in in the draft, players who might have come in from overseas, uh, no way to watch them on TV. How do, is there a way for the league to really justify that? I mean, without knowing what the reasoning behind that is, I have to say no. Just because, I mean, if you want people to continue to support the product and ingratiate themselves with it even more because the viewership isn't where it should be, the best way to do that is make things accessible. And, you know, being able to see the games is the bare minimum of that. <laughs> right. Like, they've, they've had games on Facebook in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had games on Twitter, which honestly helped me out when I was not able to go to the, a lot of camp day games midday okay. and I was working my nine to five. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they didn't think that that was a necessity this time or, or where, where the thought process was like, hey, we can put these games on free mediums, free media and then fans will be able to watch, you know, at least get some kind of viewpoint on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think, and they show so many hints at progression and evolution, and then they take like a step back in a sense with subtle instances like these, like just the general accessibility for most people, you know. So they got to kind of clean those things up. They are heading in the right direction, but they have to staple little things like viewership and accessibility for all fans to be able to consume the product that they that they have that's high end. It's the best basketball game on the women's side in the world. And it's not accessible to everybody. Like that's a kind of going at yourself in a sense. I want to come back to that a little later because it, it ties into the season. It ties into the to the team we're talking about, the Chicago Sky. But just more more on them on the basketball side. Um, Izzy Harrison has been making an impact decidedly as you would expect. Courtney Williams had a moment that uh, was gone over in the post game where she hit a basket and high-fived a fan. And uh, a lot of players, and a lot of the, the media assembled, were talking about her activity. And James Wade highlighted in particular her uh, movement off the ball as well as her just natural quickness. What makes Courtney Williams, uh, not only we know what she brings to the table in terms of scoring, but what makes her a kind of a, a dark horse player that teams need to game plan for well, for one, she has a unique style of leadership that can engage not just her teammates, the other four players on the floor, also the bench, also the crowd, also the coaches. And that type of gravity you can't find across the entire W. There's She's one of a few players that has that type of gravity about her. And to have a player like that on your team, which in addition to that gravity, can have a profound impact on the game, whether that be her initiating offense, whether that be her working off screens, whether that be her initiating and pick and roll, cutting off the ball, playing on the second side. There's like, in terms of limitations on offense, she has none. And on top of all of that, she's as scrappy as anybody when it comes to getting on the offensive glass. 
So all of these things that she does is just extremely engaging, everything she does. And just the fact that she can parlay all of this into a winning culture, which she showed that she could do at multiple times in two different stints with the Connecticut Sun. One of them came as a casualty to the Chicago right. style last season. Like she has, she's a winning player. She just needs to be in the right environment. And I do truly feel like that the leadership here in Chicago, that's been, um, that's been around for quite some time now, even though it's a new rendition. I think a lot of the pillars are still in place from the coaching staff as well as Kalia Copper. And I think she can add to a lot of what this team is doing and even make the evolution a little bit more engaging as well. I think that's interesting because my first thought with Courtney Williams is like a microwave type score, but also mm-hmm. somebody who could possibly shoot you out of a game. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Sky fans thought that um, in, a, in an offseason that was decidedly difficult seeing all of these stars, a franchise cornerstone like Courtney Vandersloot, all leave town, even a player like Azari Stevens, who fans had grown not to just uh, be accustomed to what she brought to the table, really love her as a player, as a personality. So it's it's interesting, and I, I'm sure a breath of fresh air for Sky fans to hear that, but it's like, I think the, the issue is always, or the, the thought process for me in the offseason has been, how will this all mesh? So will it be, do you think, a defense-first type of team, um, an offensive-first type of team? How will that offense manifest? These are all the questions that have to go in as, as we approach the beginning of the season coming on the 19th. And I think, I think you make a good point with whether this team will be offensive-minded or defensive-minded. On paper, with the, the, rec, the, the compilation of skills and talents that they have, it kind of suggests that they'll be more offensive-minded. However, as James Wade mentioned to me at the beginning of last season with the additions that they made, most teams, whether they've been together or not, are usually better on the defensive side than the offensive side because there's more structure involved in terms of um, schemes and understanding the personnel. Whereas on offense, you got the ball, and then you obviously have plays, you got positioning, and everything is time, um, time restricted with the shot clock, and also timely in terms of being where you need to be, when you need to be. So it's a lot more intricate on the offensive side, especially early on versus on defense. You can just get after it and fly around. And even if you're not where you're supposed to be, there's still a play that could be made. You're not going to mess up somebody else, you know? That That's what really brought me to um, just thinking about roster cuts because we saw Annalie Maley last year mm-hmm. um, and what she brought to the table in that first month of the season when a lot of players were coming back from Europe, finishing up uh, the Eurobasket season. And then there was the time later in the year where the Olympics was coming and uh, or the just international play and, and teams had to worry about that. We saw what an impact she made on the defensive side of the ball, and as expected, she was back with the Sky this year. Mm-hmm. Do you think she sticks on the roster? I think she does this time around. I think she fits a need for this team. She fits as an ancillary player, somebody that's been around the system, someone that can be trusted. And I feel like especially where the Sky are now versus where they were last year with more pieces that have been around um, prior to last season starting, come this time around, I think her experience and her – Uh, familiarity with the team and the teams with her, I think it's going to play into her favor and she'll make the team. I know she um, made efforts to improve her game offensively and I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting a 50, 40, 90 type season from her, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you think um, in this offense with Courtney Williams, with Izzy Harrison, will we see more of the offensive prowess or the improved offensive prowess of Annalie Maley or will she be that energy player um, similar to what Rebecca Gardner brings to the table um, sometimes facing up on, on a team's lead offensive player or just really kind of 
cleaning things up in the, on the perimeter for this guy. That's the thing about Maylee. She's a Swiss Army knife, so she can toggle roles based off of what a game might be asking or demanding from her position within the rotation. So some nights we might see her put up a couple more attempts from deep or have a couple plays where she ends up as a scoring uh, recipient from the attention of Kalia Copper, Marina Mabry, uh, Elizabeth Williams, or you know any anybody else Courtney Williams might have on the court with her. So I do think she'll be toggling roles, but it might be more so an energy player off the off the bench in a reserve role um, more often than not. Now roster cuts. The easy question is to say, who do you think would be like the last or the toughest cut? Now Christine Anigway has WNBA experience. She's in this training camp roster. Uh, Morgan Birch has actually turned a lot of heads with her yes. offense. She's yes. had a really good field goal percentage in these two games. It'll be interesting to see what her play time is on Friday. But Natasha Cloud made a really interesting tweet. I think after um, Sunday's game, she said expansion has to come mm -hmm. because there's so many players out in the league right now and not a place to put them all. You have 12 teams with a limited amount of roster slots, even in hardship cases that so many players who get drafted aren't going to make the WNBA. And that's a known fact on draft night. Even if they're sitting in the room, in the studios in, in New York like they were this spring, mm -hmm. some of those players know that they might not make the roster outright if they're outside of at least those top four slots in the lottery. Uh, what did you think about that? I know expansion has been an old question, uh, but what, what were your overall thoughts when you saw Natasha's tweet, and especially as it relates to those players who are fighting for roster slots, you know, as, as soon as the names are called at the draft? Well, first of all, shout out Natasha. Um, this is independent of basketball. She's just an amazing human being. For sure. And she is just one of the best leaders. Like, I would go into a fire with her if she said that that's the route to getting successful. I would, yeah, she is, she is that type of leader. And she's extremely engaging, but she's also not scared to speak out and use her platform and her vocals to speak for people who might not have that platform or that reach that she might have. Like she's never spared speaking for people of being a voice for the voiceless in a sense. And okay. she's also, she also has a different type of relatability. And you can tell that she's no nonsense when she's speaking on things like this. It's not because it sounds good and it's not because she knows that that's what people want to hear. You can tell she truly believes that at her core. And so to kind of branch off from that, aside from her also being an amazing point guard, one of my favorite point guards in all of basketball, um, she's, she hit it on the bullseye yet again. This the, um, not this team, the, the league needs to expand. There's far too many players that are going back overseas after not making WNBA rosters because of salary cap, because of roster, um, roster cap, and all of these different intricacies that need to evolve for the brands to continue to evolve. That's going to be like an overarching premise for a lot of things we speak on when it comes to the league is just continuing to evolve. And I think the best way to do that, add teams and make more space for more talent, more top-end talent across the world to come to the best league in the world so that they can showcase their talents, continue to evolve the brand again, and just make the level of competition just rise even more. I feel like it's about as high as it's been in terms of talents being spread out. Now it's a matter of making room for more talents to come through. And I think they're getting there slowly, but it has to happen sooner than later because we're seeing far too many solid to very good players that were on the college circuit or even overseas, they go into the draft, they might make a training camp roster and then they can't make it because of, you know, a variance of reasons. So that has to evolve for sure. Yeah, it's weird because I know when we were, when we were younger, especially when I was younger, um, the top teams in college were UConn, Tennessee, Stanford. That was pretty much who you saw on television. Mm -hmm. 
you knew that one of those three teams was going to contend for the title or win the title, then you know, every so often the team might jump up like uh, Baylor, uh, South Carolina once Don Staley got there. Mississippi State had that one year. Notre Dame has been all, always been pretty good, but they broke through, won the title um, in that one year early in the 2010s. Now you have a lot more teams what, who would be you know, considered mid-majors at one time, especially with the way that the NCAA transfer portal is, is opened yes. up. A lot of star players who start out at one of these big schools move out to smaller move out to smaller teams or smaller schools, and then they end up making noise in March. So you have a talent pool, like you said, that is spread out, and that's not even talking about players who, now that it's more able, speaking of being able to see basketball, more and more and more FIBA games are being broadcast on YouTube. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, you see these European League games that are broadcast as part of the Eurobasket competition. And there's players who have been playing there, kind of like how Rebecca Gardner came out of UCLA, went undrafted, went over to Spain. You're seeing players who have never touched the WNBA court, and people are talking about them. They might have been stashed in draft portals for years, but people are like, yo, we want to see these players come over, but they don't have a spot to come over now. Mm -hmm. And so... I think um, I, I cannot recall specifically who posted it on Twitter, but they said they, they had a timeline of, I think it was actually Lindsey D'Arcangelo had a timeline of, of the league talking about expansion. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're looking at these 10 cities. All right, now it's on the list is like 100. We had 100, now it's kind of pared down to like 20 or so. Expansion is coming, you know, very soon. And it's, it's like it keeps changing. And it, this is part of a very interesting tipping point for the league because we're talking about expansion. The CBA is set to expire in a year or two. Players have been talking for years about salaries, chartered flights, better accommodations, and Kathy's got a lot on her plate. Mm-hmm. And not everybody, you know, I would chance it to say people are unhappy. <laughs> at the moment with the way that, that things have run over the last few years, even as the league has, the visibility has really expanded. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where things are going to go. Um, and I know that we, you know, this again, welcome to the CHGO sky show as we've talked about the WNBA, but what concerns the sky concerns the WNBA at large. The chase for the NBA title right now is in full swing as the WNBA season is getting ready to kick off. And while the best in the NBA battle it out, you can get all the playoff action at your fingertips with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat, same-game parlay every single day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place the same game parlay on any NBA game. If your bet loses, we'll give you a bonus bet back in the amount of your initial bet up to $10. Download the app now and sign with code CHGO. New customers, again, can make that $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CHGO. They already have available futures lines on the WNBA as well. Um, there's a very, very interesting bet in there for Rookie of the Year that we might come back to later in the show. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 
on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility re- restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, as the season comes along, you might be asking yourself if there's a Friday night that comes around. Because the way Wintrust is, and I love this, Wintrust being on Cermak, <laughs> great spot to go on Friday nights. But if you're coming out of work, you might not know exactly how much tickets cost, where to go, or how to get them. But that's why the Game Time app is so clutch, so crucial in these moments. Just check out the Game Time app. You can get any last-minute tickets you want. There's flash sales available. I've been able to use them to get tickets not only to sporting events. You know, I'm a big White Sox fan, as you can tell by my hat. But I was able to get tickets for a Chicago theater event. Um, I was able to go to a Chicago Red Stars game last year, just all at the last minute, all by checking the Game Time app. There's a lot of sports ticket apps out there. It's miles, miles, miles better than what you might be used to. So please, if you're looking for last-minute tickets for the Sky, if you're looking for first-minute tickets for the Sky, if you're looking for group events for the Chicago Sky this season, look no further than the Game Time app. Ooh, I know we got to pay bills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pardon me. Make sure you download that app, create an account, and use the code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off and download game time today. Last minute tickets, absolute lowest price, guaranteed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that guaranteed so I can, you know, get like a certain <laughs> television personality. <laughs> now, I know we talked about Courtney Williams earlier, but it's um, about maximizing things between her. This is a, a loaded backcourt. I think we saw a very loaded front court in the past with the sky. Mm-hmm. They had Candace Parker. They had Emma Mieseman um, and Azari Stevens. Now you're really looking at the backcourt. You've got Kalia Copper, who, when she's at her best, in my estimation, is an MVP candidate. You have Marina Mabry, who was able to come into her own in Dallas. She replaces some of the three-point shooting you lose with Allie Quigley. And you have Courtney Williams, who we've we've talked about, as well as Dana Evans, who most of Skytown is hoping she finally gets that chance to consistently play this year. Mm -hmm. So how do you work through the dynamic with all four of those players, get them enough time to amply... um, not only succeed individually, but maximize their skill sets for the benefit of the team. So that is a, particularly for James Wade, it's gonna be a unique balance that he's gonna have to kind of work through the rough patches with because though the pieces do fit well together, like any tandem of the four working with the others, it can certainly work. You have to tinker with it the right way so that it's as most optimal as it could possibly be for your team at any given moment throughout the season or even on a game by game basis at times. So I do think that it's gonna be it's gonna take a like a trial by error type of process and window of time for him to work through. But I do think that because of the four players we mentioned, the one thing they all have in common is they are absolute dogs. Like they all have that that proverbial dog in them. <laughs> so when when things get uneven and the game might be in the balance or they might be at a deficit or they might be going against one of the the teams that might be picked as a favorite over them in any given game or even in a potential series at the foundation of all four of those players is that dog and when you can look over your left shoulder and you see a dog 
and you look over your right shoulder and you see another dog that's probably barking at somebody from the other team, <laughs> that's going to keep everybody engaged. And then you look on the sideline and guess what your coach is doing? He's being a dog too. He's dogging too. So you got all these dogs. You just got to figure out which leash to pull at what moment. And I do think that because they're off, all four of those players, including James Wade being the coach, have that at their foundation. I mean, I don't think there's anything I wouldn't bet against them because at the end of the day, if you're going to compete and competition is going to be at the premise and foundation of everything of your team, especially from the point of attack on offense, from whoever might be initiating, you know, that's a at the at the base, that's the most that you can work with and then just build from there. Make, figuring out the meshing of skills and talents, figuring out who can run what set, what side of the floor they like to work from, what spot they like to get to, all those things will come in time. But at that level of competition, I don't, I don't see a front court or a back court, excuse me, that's ad that's, that's more competitive than them. They are the bar in terms of that. There's teams that can kind of match it in moments, but over the course of 40 minutes over a game, I'm not sure. I, I got to say, um, being a cat person, that's my nightmare just in general, <laughs> like being surrounded by dogs. But you make a really good point. Um, we, I think there's been a move towards guard play um, over the last few years where you've seen guards come up and, and I mean, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi existed, mm -hmm. but they were such special talents that they were kind of existing as special guards in spite of the dominant players at that time, which in any given time in their careers was Lisa Leslie, Lauren Jackson, Candace Parker, um, even Shamik Holdsclaw. Um, and then moving into this day and age with still bigs like John Quell Jones, even as that plays move towards the perimeter. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you point that out because Sue's retired, DT's kind of moving into the twilight of her career, and a lot of good backcourts have either been broken up by player movement and the sky would part of that player movement. Now, I think the, the balance and the trial for error for James Wade is – what's the margin for that error in terms of time and in terms of those players and keeping that, that chemistry? Because what doesn't get talked about in basketball as much and really should be is how important that chemistry is, that team chemistry in both the locker room and on the floor. And I'm not saying that there's going to be any disruptions, but when you have players who are that razor sharp and that hungry you have to, I think you have to get them to work together and, and get them, you know, to keep the metaphor going, pulling on the same rope. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get not division, but some discord. So at, outside of the X's and O's, how, how do you manage that discord between or how do you manage that between those players that are that hungry? And you know, for me, I've seen I've been in leadership positions like on teams where I've seen their work. It's all, like you mentioned, it's all about how you nurture it. But I do think that if winning is at the ultimate premise of everything, regardless of how it looks, things will fall in line the way they need to. But again, with that level of competition at the foundation of it all, just seeing the team and seeing whatever the um, the scheme in terms of rotations might be work, and then seeing it work again is going to continue to generate buy-in, and the buy-in is going to be the the um, the golden nugget that makes the pieces all work together. And I do think that they'll have that. You can kind of see it already as the multiple personalities kind of mesh and parlay into one big thing for the team. And I, I, I do think they'll make that work. I really do. I mean, the league, it's not wide open. Mm -mm. But we haven't seen any. I am always of the mind that the super team doesn't win anything on the first day that they're assembled. 
they still have to prove it. So New York, Las Vegas still have to prove it. And the sky, in my estimation, could finish as high as, say, fourth in the league. They could finish as low as, as 10th. So there's a wide margin or there's a wide range mm-hmm. of, for them to, to finish in this league, especially now we've got 36 games. The, the mm-hmm. schedule keeps getting longer. The issue for me is that we start the season fairly difficult. They're on the road to open the, open the year against Minnesota, a team that they'll have played six days prior. Then they go out to Phoenix. And then they have a revamped Washington squad at home. <coughs> Pardon me, at Dallas. Then they go on the road to play the Dream. And then finally, uh, a home and home with the Liberty on June 2nd and 4th. So that's when I say that margin seems pretty tight, where you're really trying to figure out what that chemistry is. Even if you have 36 games to do it, there's a, there's a possibility for them to lose out of the gate if they don't get things right, whether they're losing by five points or they're losing by 15, it's still going to come up as a loss in the, in the record. Mm-hmm. So that's where it seems to me like you're going to have a limited amount of time to figure this thing out. And so that's kind of what I want to get from you. I'm not, I don't want to seem press the question. Mm-hmm. It's just, it feels like it's going to be tight, man. It feels like it's really going to be tight. So my rebuttal to that, and you're not you're not wrong in the slightest bit, but my rebuttal to that would be, so Minnesota's made additions, and they've had some roster turnover. They also have Nafisa Collier coming back. Right. Um, you look at Washington, Washington's made changes. You look at Phoenix, Phoenix has a handful of things that have been going on. So, and then you talked about the Liberty, you talk about, D, um, not D.C., Atlanta. Like all of these teams have also had a lot of things going on. And I do think that that golden nugget I keep <laughs> going back to, that <laughs> level of competition, having these dogs, especially early in the season, when other teams are working through things as well as you are in terms of continuity, maybe a new offensive system, a process, a new head coach, um, kind of like what, uh, what D.C. is going to be working with. Um, there's a lot of newness with a lot of the teams that they'll be going against. And just generally across the W, there's just a lot of turnover with roster and coaches and things like that. So they're not unique from the rest of the league in that, but I think they are unique from the rest of the league and having just that compilation of competitors, which can win you a lot of those games when things are uneasy. A team might not hit their stride until later because they have so many moving parts. It, and you might not hit your stride until, until later in the season. But if you can scrap together those wins just off of just a general level of competition, that bar, and meeting it consistently, I think that's the avenue for this team to really – before they really stamped their identity, kind of just parlay and just compile wins early in the season. That was something that two years ago, when they won the championship, they didn't have. Right. So if you can kind of parlay it in reverse, get that energy that you got later in that season early, and then let the chips fall where they may afterwards, that allows you a little bit of credence to work through the rigors that are going to come with roster turnover towards the middle of the season, where, okay, we might hit a two or three game skid because our offensive process hasn't been hitting the way we needed to, but we also won like five or six games early in the season. So kind of give ourselves a little bit of a bridge to work through the gray area as you kind of ingratiate your pieces. And I think they'll do that. And granted, we talked about the truncated training camp preseason um, players still probably won't be operating at 100% in terms of continuity after Friday's game against Minnesota and Toronto. That's to be expected, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have players who are still working themselves back in from the European season and who are just getting together for the first time. Even last year, Emma Mieseman had played with Courtney Vanderson without Quigley. <coughs> Pardon me. 
And they talked about how different it was mm-hmm. playing in, with the sky than it was playing um, with Ekaterinburg over in Russia. So there is definitely a lot to say to that. Now, granted, I talked about how important all these games were early on, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that two years ago because every so often I'll think about that championship season and I'll think about <laughs> the fact that they went 16-16 and 16 in the regular season. Yep. And there was I remember there was the weekend that they played um, the Storm early in August and won both games and the second in a runaway. And that was you know still Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, Sue Bird, and um, I think Natasha Howard was still on the team at that time, and that was a big test. And I was like, okay, this is it. They're gonna start moving. They're really gonna gain momentum. And then they they finished the season out break even. Last year, they didn't lose two games in a row until near the end of the year. But you could, everybody could see them kind of losing steam. So with this team, I'm, I'm wondering if, where I didn't before, they have that balance of you know players who are on the team, Kalia Copper, Dana Evans, who remember what it was like to win that title and go through that season, along with players who, like you say, are very hungry players who have had playoff experience, like Courtney Williams, who have been to the finals but haven't been able to quite get there. And so there is that hunger not just to win a title. You know, there's always you want to win. You want to win a championship, but there's always got to be a little extra, I think, because everybody who's competing, unless management out and out says we're not winning a title this year wants to win a title but i wonder if there's that extra hunger to win a title again when your first one and also with that level of competition in house really go for go for the gusto like being able to put the pedal to the metal cliche alert every single night Mm -hmm. i wonder if that's what really the overarching mantra of this team is yeah i think it is and again when you look at the at the top of the leadership board for the chicago sky is james wade and one thing about him is he's not in the business of losing in any capacity, whether that be practice, whether that be games, whether that be getting attention from um, national media platforms, as we saw. They'd already get attacked this season. Exactly. So that the the, the where this team is going to be focus wise in terms of winning, like he doesn't go to the lengths that he did to get that trade to happen with a restricted free agent, no less, in Marina Mabry. And acquiring that talent, you don't go to those great lengths if you don't truly think that your team is going to be able to win with it. And you just don't do it if, you, if you're if you not just like a winner. <laughs> like, of course, he had the roster turnover going on with free agency, uh, which is kind of, it was kind of inevitable in, in a few different ways. Nonetheless, everything he's doing is rooted in winning. And his team is going to always take on that same identity because at the top of the leadership board, is going to be this guy that all he does is win. He figures out ways to get pieces in tow to put an on-court product together that's able, able to compete against anybody, whether that be the eyes stacked against them or the eyes in their favor or neutral. That's a good point, man. Like, I know James, his, that, he, had that, that, um, he had that sound bite in the preseason about the draft, and I was a proponent of this guy perhaps tanking to get a draft pick this season. Because when it became apparent that they weren't going to retain Candace Parker, I said, you know, at the very least you have to keep Asray Stevens around. And they didn't end up doing that. And at that point, I said, well, go with what you got. Even if you have Kalia Copper, you can re-sign her, re-up, and try to save money at this part. Go in the draft because this year's draft and next year's draft are going to be solid. And he said, pretty much it's like... You know, things I can't repeat is like, we don't really, we don't really give a, a what about this draft. You know, I'm not trying to 
I'm not trying to develop, I'm trying to win. And he finds ways to win. You know, they, the team that, no, that I was not expecting, pretty much nobody was expecting to win a championship, won a championship. The next year's team looked like they were, they were on the cusp of winning another championship or at the very least going to the finals again. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I've talked about it, there is some difficulty in doubting this year's squad. That said, I, I'm still, I'm only on the fence because I think that Washington is going to be better. They just, if Elena Della Dunn is at 80%, they have to be better. They just have to be. And she says she's in as, as good a shape as she's been in in quite some time, which it should be daunting for the rest of the W. Like fantastic yeah. for fans, but mm-hmm. oh my God, for mm-hmm. everybody else. Like they got to really deal yeah. with Elena Della. If you got to yeah. deal with like two, 200, 2015 Elena Della Dunn, mm-hmm. that's a nightmare that's, matchup. Then she says she doesn't plan on like resting because of, uh, of course, injury management and things like that. She says she's guns blazing coming in. No load management? Nah, that's what she mentioned. You know what? I love it. I got to love it because mm-hmm. I am not a fan of load management at all. Mm-hmm. So I love to see it. And you got Shakira Austin coming into her second yes. season. Yes. Um, Minnesota, I think this is going to be the minute, the return of the Minnesota um, team that is a just a thorn in the sky side. Mm-hmm. Nafisa Collier's back, like you said. They, they've dealt with roster turnover and changes, but Cheryl Reeve is always just one of the best yep. coaches in the league. Yep. Um, Diamond Miller's on that team. Because mm-hmm. somehow the, the Lynx got in the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this, this is really leading me to what's the most important game on the schedule in May? Because uh, that June home and home, that kicks off. That's going to be my birthday weekend, by the way. Come out. Come out to Wintrust. I won't be able to buy drinks for everybody, but I'm buying something for you. Uh, but May is going to be so key. And even if you only have uh, five games in the, in the whole month, you want to, like you said, you want to get a good start to the season. So is there any particular game that you find that's most important? Or is it just try to, you know, win as many games as possible? and go into the the meaty part of the schedule. So I won't put the spotlight on one specific game, but I will that window, that first three against um, against Minnesota, then against the Mystics, or excuse me, and then against the Mercury, and then against the Mystics at home, your home opener. Mm-hmm. I think those three games, those are three teams that will certainly be in the way in some capacity okay. at the end of the road. So to see them at the start of the road, the start of your journey, it's going to be a good barometer for this team to kind of gauge where they are continuity-wise, where they are like buy-in-wise, where James Wade is with his with his initial thoughts on the roster in terms of the rotation, what schemes they're running, what the um, what the staggering of the four guards we mentioned. Is he going with more three-guard lineups? Is he going with two guards and three bigs? Like, how is he staggering that? Are they doing any type of small ball with um, the many different – fours and fives that they have on this team that they can right. go with. You can throw Izzy at the five. You can throw Alana at the five. She plays with all types of activity. She's willing to take charges, which also is a thing in terms of rim protection. There's a lot of different ways he can go with versatility on this roster on both ends of the floor that I feel like can lend him to shape-shifting the look of a game. If this look might not be working, you can pivot to something else. So kind of seeing in those three games against those three teams that are sure to be in the way, how they go about navigating those waters as they kind of build through getting into the season. Only thing I wish is I wish that that Mercury game was in Chicago because we saw such a good turnout. I mean, I'm, I can't believe Brittany Griner decided to play this yeah. season. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm extremely happy for her. I, for my part, I would have sat out for like two years and just like slept for one of them. 
But she's like, you know, I'm coming back to play. And it makes sense. When you have that experience, I think you want to come back to something that's familiar. And for her, that's playing professional basketball. So I, I want to see what that reception's going to be like. There was so much of it last year where you saw signs, where you saw people calling for um, just activity for her name to be said over and over and over and over. Um, one of the friends of the show, Maya goldberg Safir, led that charge to like the Free Britney movement. Uh, shirts, um, merchandise that she sold to people. It was like, hey, you know, talk about Britney Griner, keep talking about it. Uh, but the, I think you put a, a make a good point about those first three games because you're going to see some, if not all, you're never going to see all of what James Wade has uh, in his in his trick bag. Absolutely, um, he is that coach that is never going to give you everything. Mm -hmm. But with the amount of players that you still have, with time before your final roster cuts. I think you're going to see it's going to have to be a high high view, right? Of what style of basketball this guy want to play rather than, um, you know, intimate details on rotations because you're still going to have Morgan Birch, Alana Smith kind of mm -hmm. figuring out the time that you want to have them in rotation. Mm -hmm. uh, for my part, I think the Mystics game, the home opener is going to be big. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Anytime Elena Della Dunn comes back to town mm -hmm. is interesting for me to see because of what she meant to the team and then how she left the team. Um, it's never been a negative reaction, but I think I've always felt that there's some, you know, feeling of, of what had been. And it was really just like that time before when the sky were not a premier destination. Like this is the team that got close, but then people left. Candace Dupree left. Swing Cash came and left. Um... Elena, uh, Sylvia Fowles left and then Elena left and then they got um, you know they got they brought these players in Diamond to Shields Kalia Copper Steph Dolson Allie Quigley Courtney Vandersloot came much earlier but she was the one person who stuck around and then the championship came so just you know that backstory so I think that 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 Mystics game is going to be a big one because it'll be key <laughs> see how they stack up, how Washington looks. Are they going to be, you know, back to contention status? And then what the turnout's going to be after we've seen, you know, we saw a preseason. Well, we weren't able, we didn't see the preseason game necessarily, but <laughs> we, we, you know, we know that from the players that fans came out and they were excited, but I think you're going to see where this guy able to hold on to any of that momentum from the championship season from having Candace Parker, um, from people knowing Courtney and Allie's name more so than they had before. Even even the pandemic, that um, driveway horse game that they had with Chris Paul, yeah, yeah. that put a lot of eyes on them too. Mm -hmm. And now those players aren't here. You know, Courtney's in New York, Allie's off, uh, taking the season off. So I think you're going to really see if that momentum has carried over from these last two years. And that's why that Mystics um, Sky Game home opener is, I think that's the key game for me to open the season. Yeah, I think for all those points that you made, it would be a uh, maybe the most important game. And just generally, it's the home opener. And even more than that, just kind of looking at how much of a breath of fresh air in the sense, in terms of being new, that this team is going to be. I feel like the compilation of personalities that they've gotten to the team now, looking at a Courtney Williams, looking at a... Uh, looking at it, Izzy Harrison, specifically those two, the energy is just different with the team. It's more youthful. It's more, um, there's more gray area, but I, like I mentioned on Twitter after the dust settled on the free agency things, newness and um, gray area doesn't have to be a bad thing. 
it's just a matter of how much you embrace it. And I do feel like with the moves that James Wade and company have made, they fully embrace this newness and they're looking to parlay it into just a new team, a different style of team. Obviously, renditions past played a lot slower. They were more half-court oriented. They didn't have the um, compilation of athletes that this team has now. And I think that up-tempo that this team is going to be playing with, the speed, the pace, is going to be a little bit more engaging to the casual fan because they're going to be seeing a lot more uh, spontaneity with the team versus it being a little bit more scripted with the older players that they had in the previous rendition. I think those little things are parlaying into just a general newness about the team. In addition to um, the changes with management and things like that in the front office, all of these things kind of coming at the same time. It's kind of a sign of the times for this team to turn things and just change things in some of the little ways that they didn't in seasons past. I think that home opener is going to be it's going to be important to kind of showcase in that. Now, for our DraftKings pick of the week, once again, use the code CHGO at DraftKings uh, Sportsbook to get make your five dollar bet and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. Once again, use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I've got two picks because I was looking at the book and there's some interesting futures out there for the WNBA. Like we said, the season starts in a couple of weeks and the Indiana Fever, who, you know, much like uh, any other team had some roster decisions to make. They waived Emily Angsler, which was a a big move for me. She's such she has so much activity on the boards. Mm -hmm. And I really saw that parlaying into good things for them last year. But Mm -hmm. in the in the area of Aaliyah Boston, I guess she was expendable. Right now, the fever are um, minus 105, so $105 gets you 100 back to go over 10, 10 and a half wins. And I think that's a no-brainer. This fever team, not only with Aaliyah Boston, but with Grace Berger mm-hmm. and still having Destiny Henderson in some kind of role mm-hmm. in a 36-game season, winning a third, less than a third of those games, that's a no-brainer to me. And two, this is, I think, the big one I think you'll really like. Aaliyah's uh, plus 150 for Rookie of the Year. Mm. But Diamond Miller is plus 275. Mm. And as good as Aaliyah Boston is, with Diamond Miller on a Lynx team, even with stars, I think she could make such an impact as to get that Rookie of the Year nod. So plus 275 for Diamond Miller is Rookie of the Year. I would put, you know, that's a $10 bet. You get 27 and a half back. I would go with that. So again, your your DraftKings pick of the week. You got a bonus from me because it's a new era as we've seen. We see. I appreciate everybody who's who's checked in with us. It does look different in here. I know this is a different setup. It's a different lineup, and you'll see. You're not gonna. You're gonna see Steven coming back over the summer, but you're gonna see me along with a lot of faces in here. So it might look a little different every week. But just for that opening week, we're going to give you two bonus picks. Um, Indiana Fever over 10 and a half and minus 105. And Diamond Miller for Rookie of the Year at plus 275. And Steven, just to put a, pine, a fine point on it, who would, you, who would you pick for Rookie of the Year right now? Man, that, and you make a great point just considering Diamond and the team. She's going to be in a winning environment. Mm-hmm. So her, thing, her impacts on the game might look a little different. I do think it'll still be Aaliyah just because she's going to be obviously the face of a franchise. The usage should be there for her, so she's going to be able to showcase her overarching and all-around skill that maybe even in a way that she wasn't able to at South Carolina just because of the openness that comes with playing in the W and teams having to kind of curate new scouting reports because she's new to the W. So I think she'll end up getting it just because of the usage and the way in which it's going to come about for her with the Indiana Fever. 
It'll be something to look on. It'll be something to look at. I, I think. I mean, Maddie Segrist is in here too. Haley Jones. Mm-hmm. But it'll be something to keep your eye on over the over the year over the years it goes on. Uh, last bit of business uh, for the show for the first show of the year. Izzy Harrison, woman about town. We've seen Izzy already. She's out. Um, got an Italian beef. Says she loved it. Didn't say from where exactly. Undisclosed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you still got to have some privacy. Uh, I think it's cool because it kind of harkens back to a time where you saw sports stars out at places. Um, I always loved um, seeing a video of Casey Jones, the Celtics coach, would go sing at a piano bar from time to time. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the 80s when you could do that, but this was the Celtics with Bird, Parrish, McHale, and he was one of the most famous people in Boston, and he could still go sing at this bar, and people knew about it, but they weren't haranguing him for autographs. They weren't, you know, nowadays, people would probably be trash-talking him on Twitter saying, it's like, well, you should go on, you know, American Idol if you can sing so well. <laughs> something, something silly like that. But Izzy, I knew she was going to be this person who was out on socials, interacting with fans, interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, even just from her first press conference, it felt like one of us, like she got stuck in her car and had to do a press conference <laughs> on Zoom, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, not the, I, I put out already from a different account what food she should um, get next. I was surprised more people didn't go with a Hibarito. <laughs> but what Chicago institution, like Chicago institution, Nothing that's been new, nothing that's come in, not like Shake Shack or Do Right Donuts. Like, where would you want to see Izzy go next? Whether it's a restaurant, a clothing store, a barbershop, someplace that's just so uniquely Chicago that you want to see her post up at. So I don't have any specific institution in mind. And I want to kind of go back to her just generally engaging in open personality and how you've spoken to her already, making her rounds around the city, mm-hmm. tapping in with different locations. One thing that Izzy is known for is not just being a fierce competitor on the court, but she's also never shy to let people also know that she's a woman and that she has the glam side of things as well. She has that this down pat. True. And I think, again, especially being a black woman, that's important to know that you can juggle both equally and be great at multiple entities of just being a human. and. If, Kind of with that in mind and kind of in that frame of thought, I would love to see her kind of tap in with some of the local black-owned businesses that might maybe somebody that does nails that might not be getting the recognition that they might deserve, somebody that might do lashes or extensions, somebody in like the cosmetic realm. Because I do feel like, again, when you're speaking to a woman playing basketball, they're also women. They're not just hoopers. And again, Izzy strikes that balance as well as anybody um, she, she likens to Asia Wilson in that sense in terms yeah. of showing that I have this personality. It can be the same on the court and off the court. I can also still be a woman, but also be a dog on the basketball court as well. She can strike that balance, and I think that's what makes her so unique. I think she's a she's a gem to this new rendition and this new era of Chicago Sky basketball. And I think she can be transcendent in terms of helping Nadia Rawlinson and everybody else in the front office continue to evolve the brand. So seeing her branch off from the well-known institutions and kind of tap in with the unknowns to um, the general um, population of Chicago and kind of bring light to, again, being a voice for the voices like Natasha Cloud, kind of bring that entity to the uh, institutions that don't get the shine that they maybe deserve or that they just haven't quite hit just yet. I would love to see her do that. That's a really, that's a really, really good statement. Um, 
I've talked to a lot of people about what the sky could do about uh, you know how to extend their reach. We saw them put Dana Evans kind of front and center on their marketing materials mm -hmm. leading up to the season. I thought that was big in itself because one, Sky fans rejoice Dana's getting playing time. Uh, two, she's a local, you know, about as local as it can get, that Northwest Indiana coming up there. And even Louisville, a lot of people here in the city follow that basketball team, that school, and they follow Dana's journey before she got to Chicago. So I thought that definitely helped. But really moving into the south and west sides of the city with their marketing and their outreach. Yes. And Izzy is somebody who could definitely be a big part of that. Uh, that's, I think I, I can't improve on that answer, but I would love to see, and this popped into my head when you said that, I would love to see Izzy turning up at the Silver Room block party. <laughs> like the block party's gotten a little commercial now, but... It just, it seems like something where you would see her just right in the middle of things off of 53rd Street. <laughs> and that would be so essentially Izzy Harrison, but also so cool. And like people would be like, people who would know her would be like, yo, I saw Izzy Harrison. Like mm -hmm. she was out here, she was out here with the natural and it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then people would be like, yo, who is that? Somebody already tweeted, it's like, yo, I, I swear I saw her over here. She's like, I must have a twin because it wasn't me, but you know. Mm -hmm. But either there or just someplace that you wouldn't expect, like um, like Lem's Barbecue. I know she's a Tennessee and a Texas person, so the barbecue thing might be a little bit touchy. But <laughs> I think the Silver Room Block Party, if we see Izzy there, and it has to not be a game weekend, or at the very least, this guy have to win that weekend. <laughs> Thanks. But... Izzy, Silver Room Block Party, Izzy Harrison, y'all got to make it happen. This has been the CHGO Sky Show. Steven Garner, again, for Nuts and Bolts Sports. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I wanted to have you on here, if not first, at some point in the season, so I'm glad you were able to, to make time and, and come in today. Um, like I said, I want to have you in here again. I'm going to have you in here again. You're going to see a lot of Steven this season. And... This is the new era of the CHGO Sky Show. Follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore Sky. Follow CHGO Sports at underscore at CHGO underscore Sports. Thank you to everybody who tapped in. Matt Peck, Godfather, I see you. Uh, Chicago Sky Central, uh, Mari Green, Rye Hill. We're going to see y'all all season long. Chris Hill, thanks for coming in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>